The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. I'm going to read from Psalm 139 because we're going to continue on in the series that we started last week called Life Source Connect. And um, today we're going to be talking about discovering your purpose. So Psalm 139 is one of my favorite psalms. And seriously, it's a psalm that some of you need to read on a regular basis, especially those of you that are struggling with uh, acceptance of yourself and self-image and just some of the stuff that we, that we struggle with, especially some of you young people. You need to read Psalm 139 just regularly because the world is constantly attacking who you are and you need to find out what God says you are. I'm gonna, I want to read to you from uh, verse 13. It says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me. That word covered literally means you put together. So if you study that in the Hebrew, the better translation is, you put me together in my mother's womb. How awesome is that? That when you were being formed, God was putting you together. How good is that? Sergio, your little baby is being put together by God. It's due what, on the 6th of March? I can wait two days and it'll be due on my birthday and we can celebrate together. But it's okay. Whenever it comes, it comes. Then it goes, it says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Everybody say that, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And say, and say to them, I love that word wonderful. Because you are wonderful. So you are wonderfully made. And, and then it says, I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Now, everybody, just, just look at yourself and say, marvelous are your works. How good is that? Huh? How marvelous. Hey, I'm, this is God's word. I'm not making this up. This is in the Bible. How often do you look yourself in the mirror and say, God, how marvelous is this work of yours? <laughs> and then it says that my soul knows very well. Does your soul know how marvelous you are in God? I, I think sometimes the enemy is just wanting for us to confess total negativity about ourselves and constantly put ourselves down. And as soon as you do that, you're never able to fulfill the destiny that God has got for your life. When you put yourself down and you, you start speaking words of death over your life, I'm too old or I'm too young or I'm too fat or I'm too skinny or I'm too ugly... I don't, I don't need too many people say, I'm just too beautiful for God to use me. <laughs> uh, I'm just too handsome for God to use me. I don't hear that. Uh, but, but we have all the other excuses. Then it says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Have you thought about that for a little while? That God has a book with your name in it? And in that book, God has put together what your future, what your life is all about. Imagine that. If we could just, just have a glimpse at the book that God wrote while we were still being formed about the life that he planned for us. 
Here's my question for you. How are you doing with living your life connected to the book that God wrote, anticipating your life? I just want you to stop for a moment and get this thought because it's so important that you get this, is that while you were being formed, God had your future, your destiny, your purpose, your life already planned and wrote a book about what it was going to look like, the God purpose for your life. My question for you for you today is, how aligned is your life with God's book? How closely does your life resemble what God purposed for you? Because today, that's what I want to spend the morning talking about, how you can align yourself with the God purpose for your life, how you can find God's purpose for you. Because you will live your best life when you find God's purpose for you. I have a question for you. How many of you know what this is? How, how many of you don't know what this is? How many of you are not going to put up your hand regardless? Uh, who, who can tell me what this is? It's a tuning fork. Do you know what the purpose of a tuning fork is? Let, 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 this, is um, this is A. So uh, have a listen to this. So what this tuning fork does, it actually tunes a whole orchestra. Have you ever heard an orchestra play and they're all in tune? This is the amazing thing is that every single musician in an orchestra spends their whole life practicing to get skill in their instrument. But it's a little thing like this that actually helps it sound right. Because in an orchestra, everybody could be playing in their own tune, add a tune to everything else, but a little thing like this tunes it all together. And the beauty of a tuning fork, Aaron found this the other day and he thought, what in the heck is that? And so I, I went in there and, um, and I actually got it wrong. And rather than saying tuning fork, I said it was a pitchfork. <laughs> How many of you? Because <laughs> it was like, I, I know pitch, but... Uh, uh, and so, uh, you know, so how many of you know what a pitchfork is? Some, some musicians said, but that's what it is. It's a pitchfork. No, a pitchfork is what you dig the gardens with. This is a tuning fork, okay? You'd really struggle using this as a pitchfork in the garden. And a pitchfork would really struggle tuning up an orchestra. But can I just say to you that, that someone designed this thing to actually tune an orchestra. And this was sitting in Aaron's office, him not knowing what it was, not having any idea of its purpose, and yet he had in his office an instrument that could tune an orchestra. Do you know what? You were designed with purpose. You were engineered by God with purpose. And too many people have been sitting around actually doing the wrong things with their life rather than the thing they were designed to do. Tune an orchestra. Tune an orchestra? What, this little piece of metal? Man, I was flicking food across the room with it. Ah, uh, What would you do with, with, with a tuning fork? Tune an orchestra. What's your life? And what's the purpose of your life? That's what I want to explore today and help you. And, and later on today, 
uh, you're all going to fill out a questionnaire. So we'll get to that in a moment. But first of all, let me talk about the three most important days of your life. I think it was Mark Twain that said there are two very important days of your life. I'm adding a third one. He said, Mark Twain said, the two most important days of your life is the day you were born and the day you discover why. I want to say to you, there are three incredibly important days in your life. The first one is the day you were born, absolutely. The second one is the day you were born again. Who remembers the day they were born again? What a wonderful thing that was. And if you haven't been born again, today we're going to give you an opportunity to get born again. At the end of this service, we're going to give an appeal for you to get born again, spiritually become alive. But the third most important day of your life, and this is what I want to focus on this morning, is the day that you discover why you were here. The day you discover what God's purpose was for your life. Because if you want to live your best and most fulfilled life, it's when you discover the master plan, when you discover the book that God wrote in heaven about your life and you begin to align yourself with the God purpose. So what I want to do today is help you discover God's purpose for your life. How many of you want some help on that? I know that I've got a gentleman right at the back. A few Sundays ago, he asked me this question. How can I discover God's purpose for my life? And I've put this together, not just for you, but for everybody else. So here it is. First thing that I want to say is this. You have to discover the special gift that God has placed in your life if you want to discover the God purpose. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says... Each of us, each of us, how many does that include? What does, how many people does each of us include? Everybody say, me. It includes me. So each of us has a special, a unique gift. Each of us has received a gift. Minister it, use it, serve one another as a good steward of the manifold grace of God. You have a special God gift. And what's really important is that you discover this gift. The Greek word that's used there is charisma. This charisma is a Holy Spirit. We we get the word charismatic, spiritual, Holy Spirit out of this word charisma. There's a spiritual gift that God has given every single one of us. And so what we've done is that we've put together a questionnaire for you to fill out when you get home. It's 57 questions. And um, how many of you are interested in filling out this questionnaire? Can we give it out? Host, can we give it out now or later? What do you reckon? Come on, give it out now. And, but the only problem, hang on, hang on here. I reckon if I give it to you now, you'll be filling it out while I'm speaking. Am I right or wrong in that? Yeah, there you go. So we won't give it out now. you get it when you leave, Okay. Okay, thank you, host, for being so willing to do so, but I think it's a better idea. So, so I, I know that when I was a kid growing up, I started to see various gifts upon my life. And I, I remember in, in Sunday school, the, I was 15 years of age, and they said, John, can you teach a Sunday school class? And, and we had all these ages. We had the youngest, I think, was five. And the oldest, besides me, who was 15, 16, was 13, 14 years of age. And so I had all this huge age, and, and there was only 10 in the class. 
And so I, I remember having to teach this class and keep everybody's attention. And so what I would do is that I would go to the Bible, read the Bible story in the Living Bible, because the, the, the old King James back then didn't sort of give me the full meanings of the words. And so I read it in the Living Bible, and, and I'd literally... I'd literally go into the Bible story and I'd see myself in the Bible story so that when I came to teach it, I taught out of what I saw. And so, you know, if it was David and Goliath, then I'd literally go into the valley and, I'd, and I, with my mind's eye, I'd see the Goliath, I'd see David, I'd see the armies of Israel, I'd see the armies of the Philistine in my mind's eye, and then I would describe what I saw and I'd act it out. And even from the first time, people would say, John, you're an incredible preacher. There's a gift upon your life. We see it. And, and so I started preaching as a teenager and started to see that there was this gift upon my life. And so that was a clue that maybe, maybe my future held this, this purpose of preaching to others and holding their attention. And then as I started to understand more of the Bible, I was... I found it really easy to make difficult things really easy to understand. And so the teaching gift started to flourish. And so if you come to this church, what you find is that, that, that part of my gift is the preaching teaching gift. And it's, it's really natural. And, and Anne still asks me, John, do you get stressed about it? And I say, no, not in the slightest. I love it. I actually enjoy it. I, you know, there's no stress. There's no uh, 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 emotional uh, baggage that comes with it. It's just a desire to help people understand God's word. So that gave me a clue that maybe in my future, there's got to be a connection with this gift. The second thing that's really important for you to discover, besides your spiritual gifts, is your passion. Passion is something really, really important because you know there are lots of things that you can do. There are, there are, there are lots of abilities, but is it connected with your passion? Here's, here's one of the gifts that I've got that maybe I don't promote as much because I don't have a lot of passion in this area, but I actually play a piano accordion. How many of you heard me play the piano accordion? So I have a gift, but there's no passion. That's the problem, is that there's no passion. I used to have this passion when I was courting. <laughs> and so when I was courting, I'd get the piano accordion and, 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 and try to serenade Anne. But she was running away. And so I'm chasing her with the accordion, trying to play, When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie. That's some, and she's running. And I'm chasing her down Lura Cascades. And, uh, and so my passion died. <laughs> for the piano accordion, but not for her. And so, so, so your purpose is connected not just to your gift, but to your passion. So there's certain things that you can do, but you're not passionate about it. And there are certain things you can do, and even when you do it, it sort of emotionally drains you. But when something's your passion, you just love doing it. You just, you just, you, you can't get enough of it. It's like, I love this. I, I actually get energized with it. Let, let me tell you something else that I can do that I'm gifted at. It's counseling. I, I can counsel. But I find this, that after about two sessions of counseling... 
I need a holiday, folks. Just send me away. Just, uh, and, and then, you know, I'm done. And so Sandra knows, whatever you do, don't fill up a whole day counselling because John dies. It's like, I can do it, but it drains me emotionally. It just drains me. And, 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 I, and I look at it and I say, you know, it's not my God-given purpose to spend the rest of my life counselling people. And other people just love it, man. They, they, they set up businesses. They've got a big sign at the front, come and, come and receive counselling from me. And they, they, get, they just love it. They get energised. And I just get exhausted by it. Do you hear what I'm saying? That there are certain things that you can do, but if it's not connected with your passion, maybe it's not your purpose. Here's the third thing that you need to connect, and it's called life experiences. Life experiences, and guys, when you look at your life, you've got good life experiences, you've got bad life experiences, but nevertheless, it's all life experience. And I kind of believe this, that God somehow exposes us to life experiences to give us a clue about what our life purpose is all about. When I look at my life and Anne's life, I see that in so many cases, it's the life experiences that were actually doorways to God's purpose. You know, I think, I think of um, some of our good life experiences. I also think of some of our bad life experiences. And, and God is able to teach you as much in a bad life experience as a good life experience. I, I remember when we were pastoring in the early 80s, early 90s, that we had some pretty bad life experiences. I look back now and I, can still, I still think that, that in all my years, 37 years of ministries, there was a period of three years in the, in, the early, in the late 80s, early 90s, that to this day is still the three worst years of my life. And in those, in those three years back then, Anne had a, a burnout. And uh, her neck went and she was almost bedridden. Uh, for three months. And it was just a horrible experience for both of us. Horrible experience for her, but a horrible experience for me that, that my wife got to such a terrible predicament. And, you know, and I'm the husband and I'm supposed to be protecting her, looking after her. And it was just a heartbreaking experience. And I, but I look at that now and I see that God actually used that experience to channel us into life purpose, which is training pastors and helping other pastors not get to that same point. And out of our own pain, and this is what I notice. You know what I notice with people? When I tell them about the incredible accomplishments, they say, yeah, 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 yeah. When I tell them about my failures and my pains, they sort of lean in. Whoa, tell us more about your failure. Tell us more about your pain. It's like you actually get an open door into people's lives when you talk about your own failure and your own pain. And I find with pastors that that opened up opportunity. Another opportunity that opened up was, was uh, after the, the massacre at Port Arthur, where it was just a horrible experience, not only for us, but for all of Australia. Do you realise that Chaplaincy Australia was actually launched as a consequence of that bad experience? Because after that bad experience, Anne sat down and said, how do we help the survivors? How do we as a movement help the survivors? And so she did all the phoning up to find out how can we help the survivors? And nobody could answer the question. So she set herself aside to say, well, I'm going to get some training. I'm going to get some training on being a counsellor 
uh, a chaplain, and as a consequence, she became a chaplain, and as a consequence of her becoming a chaplain, we're able to launch Chaplaincy Australia in the Australian Christian churches, and today we have over 400 chaplains, over 2,000 people trained in chaplaincy because of this bad experience at Port Arthur. So what I'm saying to you is this, look at your life experiences, because in your life experiences, there you will find some clues. And so here's the formula for finding your purpose. Are you ready for the formula? It's a simple formula. Here it is. Your purpose in life is, number one, your gifts, plus your passion, plus your life experience. So in those three things, you will find a connection to your life purpose. And so once you've discovered your gifts, once you've discovered your passions, once you've discovered your life experiences, you put all of that together, you will find that it will directly lead you to your life's purpose. They're the clues and the rewards of finding your life purpose is incredible satisfaction. Oh my goodness, it feels so satisfying. So you know what's funny is that a lot of my friends are thinking of retirement. And so I'm talking to some of my friends, and they're already looking forward to retirement. And, uh, and so someone asked Anne yesterday, so when's John looking at retirement? And she says, John is never going to retire. He's going to die in the pulpit. And, and that's because I find so much satisfaction in what I do. I can't even... So many people are looking to retirement because they can't wait to stop what they're doing. But when you find your life's purpose, you get so much satisfaction out of it. That you just want to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it because it's not exhausting, it's not tiring, it's actually fulfilling and satisfying. Wow, how awesome it is to live life finding your life's purpose. So three things that you need to get right to be released in your life's purpose. Are you ready for this? Three things. You need to get freedom from your past. You need to get revelation about your eternity. And you need to get a sweet spirit to do your part. So let's talk about these three things one by one. Number one, you need to get freedom from your past. This is what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. One thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind. One thing I do, one thing I do, I don't look back, I forget those things that are behind. If you want to get into your purpose, you need to get freedom from your past. Bad things create guilt and they create shame. They also create insecurity. They create unforgiveness. They create cynicism. They create bad habits. They create uh, footholds of the enemy. And we've got to get freedom. We've got to get free. If we want to move forward, we've got to get freedom. I think Pastor Aaron very clearly articulated this morning a prophecy. Some of you have got chains around your waist that are attached to big boulders in your past. And you've got to get freedom from that. You can't move into your destiny, into your future, while you're tied into the junk of your past. God wants to use the junk of your past in your purpose, but he can only use it if you've resolved it. If you haven't resolved it, it sits there as a weight of bondage. But once you've resolved it, it becomes a tool that you can use to help others. You know, we got people in our church, we got men in our church that help people escape from the bondage of pornography. And the reason they're so powerful in doing that is that they themselves have escaped from the bondage of pornography. And so it's like, what? You were where I am? Yeah, and you escaped? Wow! Tell me what you did. It is, I, I, I'm really interested because it's, 
You know, for someone that's never been involved in that to tell them, do this, that, and the other, is nowhere near as powerful as someone who was in the bondage and found the way out and is released from it. That's power. God's able to use amazing things, but you've got to get free from it. You've got to get free from your past. You've got to get free from your insecurity. And Jesus, the blood of Jesus, can cleanse us from all sin, from all guilt, from all shame. What a wonderful gift this is, the gift of freedom. But what the enemy wants to do, he just wants to keep the door open. He wants to keep the guilt and the shame there. He wants to keep the bondages there. He wants to keep feeding that rubbish and that stuff and keep you in the past. And I'm telling you, come on, some of you are so tied into your past that you, you can't be released into your future because of guilt and shame. And the enemy uses the guilt and shame to stop you. I don't know how many people sit there in, 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 in the darkness and in the coldness of their guilt and shame, when God's got this scenario of beauty and warmth for them, and it's the guilt and shame that keeps them in bondage, it's time to get rid of it. And then in our church, we've done a series called uh, Enemy at the Gate. It helps get freedom from your past. We are more than happy to do it with you. We are more than happy to run small groups to help you get freedom from your past. We are more than happy to have small groups with men that want to get free from pornography. We are more than happy to do anything that we can to help you get freedom from your past guilt and shame. Can anybody say amen to that? The second thing that is really important for you to be right, are you with me this morning? Are you getting this? Second thing that you need to get right is revelation about your eternity. Eternity. Matthew 6.20, it says, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Here's my question for you. Are you living with eternity in mind? Are you living with eternity in mind? Because everything you do here that has not got eternal consequence, it disappears. You know, there's lots of good things that we do, but if they don't have eternal consequence, it disappears. The Bible calls it wood, hay, and stubble. It's like, but there's other things that are gold, and there's other things that are precious stone, and that's anything to do with eternity. Can I just say to you, every time you share faith with somebody, you're laying up treasure in heaven. Every time you lead someone to Christ, you're laying up treasure in heaven. Every time you are in a tag team with a process of people that are leading someone to Christ. And I'm talking about people that pray. If you're a prayer, you're tag teaming with people. You know, so, so you've got this process of leading someone to Christ. And in, in the journey of leading someone to Christ, you've got the end point where they pray the sinner's prayer. They cross over the line. But to get to that end point, you've got so many people praying, so many people witnessing, so many people sharing, so many people doing kind things. And it's gradually moving people closer and closer and closer to the line. And if you're involved in tag teaming, some of you are giving to missions. Well, you're in that line. You, you are storing up for yourself treasure in heaven. Anything you do for God's kingdom has got eternal consequence. And this is what I'm saying is that, is that when you are involved with eternal consequence, you don't have time to get bored. You can't, if you're living a boring life, 
The problem with living a boring life is that you're not fulfilling your purpose. You're not living with eternity in mind. When you're living with eternity in mind, there's so many things that you could be doing. You could be praying, you could be giving, you could be sharing, you could be, you could be investing into people's lives, you could be doing good. So many things that are helping you live an exciting life because you know that you are laying up treasure in heaven. Come on, guys. Get off the computer games. Get off that sort of stuff that is just meaningless. It's, it's just wasting time. You know, just get out of that whole enter- spending your life in entertainment. It's wasting time. It's wasting your life. It's wasting your purpose. And it's creating this boredom. Can I say to you parents as well, make sure that your kids don't get lined up with a life of boredom because they need to be entertained all the time. Entertainment creates boredom. You say, what? See, this is the problem is that it gives the titillation just for a little season. And once the titillation is gone, well, I'm bored. I need some more titillation. I need some more entertainment. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. Get him to do something significant. Get him to build something, create something. Use creativity. Find purpose. Take them on a journey. Get them out of the house. Get them exercising. As soon as they say, I'm bored, say, I'm so grateful that you revealed to me my failure in motivating you in life. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to go into the garden, we're going to do the lawns, and we're going to do some weeding, and once that's done, we're going to do some cleaning. Why is that? Because we're building treasure for your mother in heaven, and she... And I'm getting brownie points as well. So, hey, this is going to be great. I guarantee we're going to clean the car. Matter of fact, once we finish that, we're going to have a next-door neighbor. And we're going to do the same thing for our next-door neighbor. We're going to mow her lawns. We're going to get the weeds out of her, out of, out of her roof or whatever the thing is and clean the car. And, and once we're done with that, we're going to go across the road. I guarantee they'll never say, I'm bored ever again. Eternal. What are you doing for eternity? Everybody's got to ask that question. What are you doing for eternity? What are you storing up in heaven? Are you contributing? You know what? When, when you contribute to your church, you're storing up treasure in heaven. You know, there, there are so many people that are at work right now that are helping me preach. I wouldn't be able to preach this message today if it wasn't for people that are working the lights, working the sound, working the cameras. I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing today if it wasn't for the 400 volunteers that help us. Every single one of you that serve in this church, you're building treasure in heaven because all that happens in this church, you're partnering with and you're building treasure in heaven. Can you do more? Yes, you can. We'll talk about that next week. Number three. Number three. So if you want to get release into purpose, you've got to get freedom from your past. You've got to get revelation of your eternity. You've got to get a sweet spirit to do your part. You know, a sweet spirit is so important. It's, it's so important that everything that is connected... See, the Bible talks about doing your part as a body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, it says, The body is not one member, but many. The beautiful thing about your body is that when it's functioning, it's functioning because every member is sweet. How many of you have ever banged your thumb with a hammer? Have you ever done that? Or how many of you have cut your finger with a knife? Have you ever done that? Okay, so this is what happens is that if you banged your thumb with a hammer or cut it with a knife, all of a sudden, one of your members is not doing too well. And you can feel it. You can feel it that they're not sweet. They're not happy. 
You can feel it. And so you're protecting, you're walking carefully, whatever. Can I just say that in the body of Christ, it's exactly the same? If you've got a member that's awkward, if you've got a member that doesn't operate in a sweet spirit, and they're trying to connect with everybody, everybody's walking around on eggshells around them. They've got their part. They've got a special part that they can play, but they can't connect with the body with a sweet spirit, so they can't do it. And over the years, we've had incredibly gifted people in our church, incredibly gifted, but we haven't been able to use them, not because they haven't got a gift, but because they don't have a sweet spirit. And when we put them somewhere, we get complaints. Oh, this person is so awkward. They say silly things. They attack us. They, they, they abuse us. They, they control us. They do all sorts of things. And, and, so, and so he's me, the senior pastor, saying, man, this is really awkward because I can see the gift on this person's life, but their sweet spirit actually stops them from connecting with the body. And, and, and what's even worse is when they don't see that they've got something wrong with their spirit. That's even worse. Because at least if they see it, then we can help them, we can address it, get their spirit fixed up, and beautiful, life goes on. And so if, if you want to be connected, you've got to have a sweet spirit. You've got you, you, you to move in with the culture, and the culture of, of our church is the culture of Jesus. We want to be kind and compassionate and be nice to people. Be sweet to people. Be, 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 just, just be a nice person. It's as simple as that. Not a nasty person, a nice person. How would you like it if, if we had a greeter at the door and, and our greeter is, uh, you know, nasty? And you go, hey, nice day, isn't it? And then one of our greeters, what's nice about today? <laughs> Do you think it would be wise for me to make that greeter? A greeter at our church? What do I just put sweet people? Hey, it's nice to see you. Big smile. Wonderful. See, this is the point. We want to use you, but you've got to have a sweet spirit. And that sweet spirit makes you usable. What a wonderful thing that is. Doing your part is always connected to your purpose. I want to finish this morning just by saying this. You've got a part to play. There's a part for you to play. We're going to talk about that more later. But there's a purpose that God's got for your life. And we're going to be talking next week about the difference between service and ministry and how both are important in our church. Just finding your fit, that's next week. And next week, we're going to go through this and talk through the various gifts. And there's an answer sheet for you to fill out. And then next week, we'll be talking about the various spiritual gifts and how that fits with you and how you can fit in so that you can find a place of purpose and fulfillment. What a wonderful thing it is for you to come in and begin to realize that, that God's got a family for you to fit into and it's body ministry and everybody's got a part to play and, and uh, we become a very powerful force. You know, I just love this illustration because one of the things that we're called to do is to save people. And as a church, one of our desires is to see people saved. But you know what? When you go to Manly Beach and you have a look at the lifesavers there, they are the best specimens of humanity. If you have a look at them, they're all fit. You know, they're all, they've all got two arms and two legs. And not only that, but everything works in coordination. You don't have lifesavers that are uncoordinated, can't swim 
They're all, you know, how does that work? You know, they've got to be together. How much more important is for us as a church where God calls us to be lifesavers to this world, that we're coordinated, that we're healthy, that we're connected, that we're doing our best to be the representation of Christ to this world. You know, it's, it's, it's just a sad thing. If you've got an arm and it's a gift, but the arm's not working, it just, it's just there on the edge of the body. It doesn't work. It's really hard to be a lifesaver if your arm doesn't work. If God's called you to be an arm, I'm saying to you, work. If God's called you to be an arm, get connected. Because this life-saving church becomes stronger when every arm is working, when every leg is working, when every finger is working, and working in cooperation with one another. And we can fulfill our mandate to save the world, to be a blessing to this world. You have a part to play. You are important to us. And we want you, number one, to come to get healed. And once you're healed, to minister to people. And that becomes so, so powerful. As I said, I just want to finish this morning by just getting back to what I said at the beginning. Three most important days of your life. The day you're born, the day you're born again, and the day you find your purpose. I don't have to talk about the day that you were born because all of you were here because you were born. I don't have to talk to you about finding your purpose because I've spent all of this morning talking about finding your purpose. But I do want to talk to you about being born again. What a wonderful thing it is to be born again. And this week, we've all been reminded of the importance of being born again simply because one of the world's greatest evangelists passed away. Dr. Billy Graham. What an incredible... Whoever went to any of the Billy Graham crusades, what a champion. What a champion. What, an, what a great evangelist. One of the things that I learned from Billy Graham is give a clear articulation of the gospel. And so I'm, just in the next few minutes, I'm going to give you a clear articulation of the gospel from John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Why did God have to give his Son? Well, the simple answer to this is because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not one person in this room that can honestly put up their hand and say, John, I have never sinned. There's not one person in this room, if you're really going to be honest, that says, I have ever, ever done something that I've regretted. Of course we have. I'm the first to put up my hand. I've sinned. But here it is. God so loved the world that he gave his son. For what purpose? To pay the penalty for your sins. So this is the choice. Either you pay the penalty, that's eternal death and hell, or Jesus pays your penalty. But in order for Jesus to pay your penalty, you have to receive that free gift. And that's called faith. You have to believe that Jesus died for you, that Jesus paid the penalty for you. That's, that's faith. That's believing. You know, I, I, I doubt whether there's too many people on this planet that don't believe that there was a man called Jesus. I doubt whether there's too many people that don't believe that this man called Jesus died upon a cross. But do you believe, here it is, that he died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe that on the third day he rose from the dead to prove that he was the Son of God and to prove that he has power to forgive your sins? Do you believe that? then there's only one thing left for you to do. And what's that? Just receive Jesus into your life. 
just receive him. This is just a simple thing. Again, there's a lot of people that believe. There's a lot of people that believe in God. There's a lot of people that believe in Jesus. Matter of fact, the Bible says even the devil believes. And not only does he believe, he trembles. There's a lot of believers that don't even tremble, but the devil trembles. So believing is not enough. Then this is the last step. It's this receiving, this committing, this this becoming a a follower of Christ. And, and, And it becomes a spiritual thing. And, and the Bible in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it, it gives this illustration, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. There's a knocking that happens on our door of our heart. And Jesus says, I'm on the outside, but I want to be on the inside. Do you believe that I can come and bring transformation to your life? Do you believe that by receiving me, not only will you have your sins forgiven, but you'll have the gift of life? the gift of transformation. Do you believe that? Because if you believe that, invite me in, receive me into your life and I'll bring the transformation. I'll bring all that you'll need and you'll become a child of God. To as many as received him, to them he gave the power to be called children of God. Oh, what a gift that is. A child of God with the gift of eternal life. Sins forgiven, yes, but also the gift of life, the gift of transformation. That's what God offers and that's God wants you to have. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.